Matt Ingebrigtsen, Jake Wiseman, and Pat Bishop are the trio behind the television show Corporate. It debuted in January 2018, and a month later, it got renewed for a second season. They sat down with us when they were about to screen two unseen episodes at JFL Northwest, and we had a candid conversation about creating work, how they came together as a video director, a comedian, and a writer, and they're going to tell you why you suck and why you should give up. This is Chaotic Creative with the guys from Corporate. Here we are, hanging out in the studio. I'm very glad that you guys are very impressed. I'll give you some water and I gave you some juice. I'm very impressed that you thought I was like Beyonce. Uh, hopefully yes. by the end of it you'll like tie it in a little bit of Oprah and then I'll be like, my dreams came true. <laughs> I just compared to Beyonce because I know Jay-Z also cheated on you. Yeah. <laughs> I know, that motherfucker! Yeah. And that's why your friend Solange, well you saw her concert, now she's your friend, yeah, yeah. beat his ass in an elevator. That's yeah. right. Uh -huh. He's a trifling bitch. Uh, how did you guys come together, the three of you? So. You two are in the comedy group Women. Well, you know about that. Did you? I did my research. I'm not a meteorologist on the morning show. <laughs> did you guys know each other before? Or did you form the group? Yeah, we all met doing stand-up uh, about seven years ago in, in Los Angeles, and kind of like saw each other out, and, and we're people, and we're all interested in making videos. So we kind of yeah combined in different combinations, the three of us, and made various kind of short films and uh, short sketches. Yeah. yeah, we were in a sketch group together, um, and then Matt and I became roommates because uh -huh. we were both doing stand up. We were friends, and then um, we, so then we I've were seen Jake in a robe a lot of times. I've heard Matt have he orgasms a lot of times. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But we had thin, thin walls, walls and <laughs> Jake's philosophy as a roommate, as a human being, is the moment he gets into a house, he gets a robe on. Yeah, I'm a genius. Uh, At least you wear the robe. Yeah, yeah. Some just I have on three different robes. Uh -huh. Two cloth ones and one kimono. And I gave off. him the kimono. Yeah. You don't have a velour one, like a like a. I guess because you live in LA, you don't like a thicker winter one. A few one. more years no. until I deserve it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we met doing stand up in LA. When you start doing stand up anywhere, it's hell, and it's you're doing it in dive bars. It's a total nightmare. And so when you meet people that have a similar sense of humor as you, it's a miracle, and yeah, you, you cling to them yeah. like they're a life raft. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. How do you guys find your community in there? Because obviously. Uh, when you're doing comedy and there's like so many different people, so many different venues, how did you guys be like you? you well, the reason people? why is because, you know, stand-up is an interesting... <laughs> there's a lot of people doing stand-up, especially in LA, but there aren't that many good people doing stand-up. Oh, yeah? So if you go to a lot of open mics, the quality is very clear. So you can see who's funny, who's not, and the few people that you align with. Basically, I think we all were like, yeah, life is bad and there's no point to it. So when we all <laughs> joked about that on stage, we're like, we should hang out. Yeah. Well, I think we all, yeah, we also are like big like fans of like movies and like cinema and that too. And I think that kind of was a combination that we wanted along with comedy and joke writing, um, but to do something like to make like movies and, and that sort of thing. Um, uh, that was maybe separated from other people who are more just focused on performing or acting or stand up. We're, we're all like try to think of ourselves as like filmmakers uh -huh. as well. Yeah. Before we get to that, when you talk about good comedy, what makes a good comic? Like when you see somebody's like doing bad, like how do you go, especially when you're starting out, like how there's, does that work? Right, because everyone's bad when you're starting out. Yeah, yeah. but <laughs> are they always, or some people are just like, you're good. Well, you can, see, like, you can see like a whisper, a hint of goodness even in people who aren't good yet. There's you know? different things. I mean, in terms of what I look for, it is joke writing ability, but also point of view. Because mm. there are a lot of comedians, when they're starting, it's like they grew up 
watching The Simpsons. They know what a joke is technically, but they're just sort of being writers about it. There's no or like mimicking. Yeah, they're mimicking other stand-ups, and there's no humanity behind the jokes. And so what I look for is like joke writing ability, stage presence, but also a true point of view, like a person behind the jokes. Mm -hmm. What about uh, when you're making videos? What's the the trick to doing a good video? Because you guys contributed to. Who worked at Funny or Die? Who worked elsewhere? You did Funny or Die. I worked at Funny or Die, yeah. What makes a good Funny or Die video? Well, I think some of it is the same, or point of view is another thing that, that really stands out if you have a voice to what you're doing and it feels like you're saying something genuine. One thing that was, working at Funny or Die was really fun, but one thing that was kind of annoying about it was like having to make topical videos that sort of just fit into the slipstream of what people were already talking about. So you're kind of like pandering to people to get them to watch by making a, a video about the latest like movie or TV show or thing that like Donald Trump said, um, which can get a little exhausting and feel disposable. So I think with like women, we tried to make uh, sketch videos that were just whatever we wanted. Mm. And that kind of naturally just making a bunch of them formed kind of like, they kind of fit together for that reason. Cause it was just like what we found funny. Yeah, I think so much comedy and probably music and probably a lot of stuff is just a regurgitation of what people imbibed when they were younger. And I think the kind of the point of comedy ideally or art or I don't think comedy is really art, but let's say it is uh, <laughs> like it's to express something new in a different way. Um, otherwise, why are you doing it? Like, why do you grow up with the dreams to just do what other people were doing exactly? It seems pretty boring. And so I think we all loved movies. We all loved things that we hadn't seen before. Most people were making parody videos where that wasn't funny to us. It seems so obvious we wanted to make things we hadn't seen before and display a different sense of humor that had been seen in videos. It's pretentious, but it's true. <laughs> you wanted to be a writer. Mm -hmm. yeah. How do you hone your voice as a writer? So we've had like the video idea presented uh -huh. as a comedian, but I think it's very similar too. I think for me, it's like I actually took a stand-up comedy class, but the thing is, is that I hate writing. I just uh -huh. can't get it out there. I'm sure I have things to say, but it's like, well, what is your process for writing and honing that? Writing is just pain. I find it to be just <laughs> excruciating. Stab yourself in the leg and just Yay, put that yeah. Yeah. I, Every time I write, I go through just a series of stages of like, I'm a fraud. I am not a good writer. I will never write another good thing. But then eventually, it's, just, it's kind of a volume process in a lot of ways. It's like if you do it every day, once a week you'll write something worthwhile and then you just keep that and pretend the rest of it never happened. Uh, <laughs> so do I you think, guys like yeah. slot out times every day to be, well, I guess it's different now when you're working on a TV show, you're doing a press tour, but like when you're in the creative process, or not even creative process, daily process, do you go, yeah. it's like, you know, I eat, I shower, I have a time to create, is that, how does I, that work for I you? do want to, especially if I'm trying to get a script written or something, I try to set small manageable goals for myself. Like like when I wrote the first, a pi I wrote a pilot uh, years ago that got noticed by Comedy Central, which is what led to us getting a meeting there and us pitching this show. And I just, uh, my goal was to write one page of it a day which is like nothing seemingly, because most of the time you envision yourself like late at night writing 20 pages at once and it all like flows out of you, but that has never once happened to me. So I just wrote one page a day and then it was done in a month and then we sold a TV show. <laughs> just like that. Yeah, it's easy, like guys. <laughs> I find my writing process is I think about First writing. First you get, you get into a robe. I get into a robe. Yes. Yeah. Cloth and kimono, that's fine. Yeah. 
Honestly, cloth. Uh, yeah. Kimono. If kimono is not special, is it a kimono? Yeah. And I and I feel like you know I try to write all day long. I panic that I, my thoughts are not good. That I'm not smart enough. I try to go to sleep. I have extreme anxiety that I didn't do enough. And then all of the thoughts of the day come to me, and I write just before I go to bed with like the pad by my paper. And I wake up, and I'm like, one of these is pretty good. Yeah, I think that like the trick to uh, doing good writing is the doing good writing. <laughs> Not grammar. <laughs> Let's take trick? that again. This is actually uh, this fits into the point that I'm trying to make. Actually, revision. His revision is that you have to be brutal on yourself and the writing, mm. and you have to be willing to fail constantly and write garbage and feel embarrassed by what you're doing to then eventually stumble into things that are good, and then you just take that out and. I, I do yeah. think writing is uh, like kind of a war of attrition. If you're willing to suck at something for a long time and keep sucking a little less, a little less, a little less, a little less, a few years later you might be okay. And I, I do think, like some people are just naturally gifted, but for the most part, I think 99% of people work really, really hard at it. And after a long time they're like, I kind of know what I'm doing. Mm. But you have to be willing to like just do it and do it again. I think that's what stand-up teaches you. Yeah. Is you just are going to suck for so long, and even when you're great at it, <laughs> yeah. you can still bomb. Yes. And I think it just teaches you to like get up like a boxer, be like a bad boxer. Just get up and just <laughs> yeah. keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it. And eventually you have CTE because boxing is dangerous. <laughs> so you have like cauliflower ears and like mental disorders. Yeah, like yeah. What, what, what point would you recommend to people to stop? Obviously you guys didn't oh, stop, oh, but when you're like, say like some people just don't have it. Because hard work is one thing, right. but if you suck. Well, I think you have to, uh, I mean, just the practical advice is to do what is working for you, and if over some period of time it continues to not work for you, you should stop. And you know, I'm if I'm, you know, if I'm talking to you, who you are. So <laughs> I, the I would, time has come to start thinking about a different group. Maybe just get into cinematography or something. I, I, would, <laughs> just yeah. Yeah. I would recommend that anyone listening or watching this stop right now, um, <laughs> because it's, the odds are you're not going to make it. And, yeah. uh, and, there are, and you're our competition. You're a competition. <laughs> yeah. And also, go have a child or something, because then you can be like, oh, I live for my child. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, and both those guys yeah. Yeah. like, either we can, have a kid or have a kid. Yeah, and it's like, you know, th then you can be like, oh, my life doesn't matter. It's the kid's life. Yeah. And your creative dreams go to die, and that's fine. Yeah. Everyone's like, you're a father. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just to be clear, none of us have children or yeah. families. Yeah. yeah. So that's... But we probably will eventually, and we'll become hypocrites at that time. So, uh, depression, the darkness. How does that fuel comedy? I, I think uh, a lot of comedy is um, based on the things that should be based on things that you're not supposed to say. So I think when we were growing up, uh, everyone's like, "Life is a really good thing. We're all happy. Everyone's married. Nothing is wrong." And then you, <laughs> you get older, everyone gets divorced, people die, Trump is president, you know that kind of stuff. And you're like, "Oh yeah, we were just lied to." Like, uh, so yeah. I think there's like a lot of catharsis in just saying the stuff that's in your head. You're not in control of what's in your head; it just comes to you. And we feel this fear to say this stuff, mm -hmm. but it's the funniest stuff around. Just the basic concept of like. Oh my god, I have a thought that I want to die. I could say that. There's like some catharsis there. And I think comedy is so linked to catharsis. And I think also it gives uh, the permission to say that. Because where else in your life can you go, I'm going to stand up now and say controversial statements right. that no one else will agree with in a social setting. Yeah. But if you're in a, people pay, pay, paid, had the drinks, and they're like, 
that's just funny. Yeah. And then they cry inside. At your yeah, your uh, holiday party at your company, they're like, please sit down and stop drinking. Please stop <laughs> saying these things out loud. Specifically like, you. Yeah. You're an absolute alcoholic, uh, and I can <laughs> smell it on you right now. Uh -huh. Vodka makes it better. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you, uh, you had a podcast. Did either of you have a podcast? No. What was just the success of your podcast, and why did you eventually kill it? Well, I started the podcast called The Morning After Podcast. We interviewed people in the adult entertainment industry, but the idea of it was to not be like a sexy one. We wanted to make the least sexy one possible because we were more curious about the process of getting into porn. And, you know, we interviewed all sorts of people like trans performers, gay performers, uh, directors, all sorts of people because it was just fascinating to us. Um, we started it right when podcasts were starting and ended it right before we could make a profit. Um, <laughs> yeah. but, so smart. But it was really interesting yeah. and I think it taught me a lot about, you know, I was nervous at first to meet these people that I masturbated to, but, uh, <laughs> but eventually when you can talk to those people and just be like, so how are you? How'd you get into it? You'd be like, oh, I can do stand-up. That's yeah. like way less, way less intense. Yeah. How did you guys go from... <laughs> I'm just the visual of it all of that right there. Uh, how did you guys go from doing writing comedy videos to then getting discovered, Comedy Central to discover you? Like, it just sounds so like when we put it into like a tip sheet, it's like it just happened like that. But you said it was seven years ago that yeah, you guys it's, met. It's really about building momentum and kind of doing lots of things at once because I think they're aware of, uh, especially you guys as like stand-ups. They're aware of. Comedy Central was aware of our sketch group women, and we had been writing, we'd started writing like scripts too. So it was kind of all this stuff that we then had a body of work to kind of show. And, and I think it really helped that we had made videos and kind of been self-sufficient in that way to show that like we, you could give us, to, for them to trust us to make a TV show where you have to be in control of all these different um, aspects of it and all these kind of people come in. Um, yeah, because at, at the end of the day, networks are desperate for people to come in and know what they're doing in any way. And really? Because they don't know what they're doing and they just want somebody to come in Agreed. who confidently says they have the answers and then can execute it. And because we had made so much stuff at kind of a high level, we could do that for them. Yeah, I yeah. think one of the benefits of living in LA, you don't have to live in LA for it to work now, especially with the internet. Um, is people are watching all the time. So even like we do, we were doing stand up like five to seven nights a week for years, mm. and people, you know, the people in the audience, you know who they are. Some of them are executives, and they're watching, and they're they're like, oh, this guy's really funny. I should bring him up in the meeting at Comedy Central. We'll be like, keep him on our radar. Yeah, um, yeah we we learned later that for years we'd been brought up at Comedy Central and just like, oh, I saw Matt at this show the other night. And then it, but it takes years of being brought up casually yeah. like that for it to kind of You have of to make yourself inevitable by just yeah. being so funny and like consistently producing stuff. You're like, yeah, this person's going to do something. Let's try to work with them. The other thing I would say to if someone is looking for inspiration is like, the best advice I could give is take things into your own hands. Make your own content. You can do it. Like that is the best thing we ever did is just make our own stuff for like no money. And every weekend when people were like, fucking off we would go to like the park and make a video and after years and years and years of like working seven days a week like people saw it and then you just become this thing like oh yeah those guys are really talented because we just did it over and over and over and just hoped that it would ripple into the right hands and it did and anyone can do that now truly anyone if it's quality it will rise unless you're untalented and need to quit and I'm looking at you <laughs> <laughs> what happens when it gets to the network? Because obviously, um, from the stuff I've read about you guys, 
there, uh, and I agree with this too. It's like there's freedom when there's no boss and there's no money, and you just mm-hmm. do whatever you want. But then when there's maybe money, and I was, we were joking before the interview started, is that I would assume that Comedy Central has more money than a Canadian network. Sure. Uh, but it's like once money's involved, it's how does that complicate the process? Or did you guys have that kind of carte blanche where they're like, you already proved yourself, and we don't know what we're doing, and we're not going to admit it. I slept with all the presidents at Viacom. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, like All of them. Every yeah. single one. Like Viacom, and then down all the, the branches and everything. And uh-huh. I, I've... I'm really attractive, uh, yeah. <laughs> and they demanded it of me, and I said yes. Um, and also, uh, I think <laughs> there's so many things that we can. They demanded it of me, <laughs> which a lot of people won't like to hear. But, yes. um, especially but it's in the my body. Today. Yeah. It's my body. Uh, I think we, we lucked out. I think we lucked out in a few ways, which is that Comedy Central is a network that typically like lets creators do whatever they want, and also. There's too much TV right now, mm. and there's no way to get a huge. There's no new Seinfeld that's gonna come out, and so the best you can do is like commit to a vision and let creators do something kind of wild and nuts, and then let that trope that get that catches on. They're hands on until they're like, okay, we don't have to be. You know what I mean? Like, like Pat is an amazing director, and like, <laughs> and created a pilot like that was so much better than what they had that they were like, okay, like we can give notes, but these guys definitely know what they're doing. So if you get the chance to make a pilot and you really rise to the occasion, they're not gonna screw with you too much because you're like, look, we already know what we're doing. They're always gonna try to over, uh, overdo it, you know, like handle it too much, but I think if you show that you're talented enough, most people will be like, okay, thank God, like they know what they're doing. Yeah, your job though is most of the time, because it, it took us three years from the time that we pitched it to the time that the show came out, and so your job through most of that process is to continue to reiterate what your vision is for the show over and over again to the same people so that they stop trying to pull it away from what it originally was. Even in, even if they're doing it for good reason, they often, it's so easy over that period of time with hundreds of people get involved with it for it to get pulled away from what it was intended to be. And so as the creators, you have to just continue to like say no to the bad ideas and continue to hone in what it is. Yeah and drive it down the track. Yeah, they're like, so. well, what if the person was a little hotter that we cast, as opposed yeah. to like the best actor? And that's their instincts, because they're trying to sell a product, and they're, mm. you know, th- that's their job. And but they're not wrong. If we were hotter, the show would be doing even better than it is. Disagree, <laughs> yeah. I'm as hot as can be. I've slept with every president of every network, and our ratings are fine. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very hot. What was it like when they renewed you for a second season? Like, the show had been on one month, and they're like, okay, yeah. let's go. It was I'm, awesome. Yeah. I think it was a relief. Yeah. Yeah. How did they break it to that you guys? Did you like read it on deadline or did they actually we tell you guys first? We had to go first? to an island and they put it in a bottle. Yeah. And we had to... Is that dumb? Is that, I, I thought it was... I, I like silly. it. I watch Survivor. So I was like, Matt I like sometimes that. tells me to stop being so silly. He'll like whip me. Hey, like, hold on. No, I'm just trying to control it's all balance. It's all balance. <laughs> it was an incredible relief because yeah. you get used to like the job is such a good job and it is your dream. So like you're like, oh my God, this could be taken away. I don't know if I get to do it again and then it's it's an incredible feeling but but it's like oh, we, get, we have a job yeah like yeah, oh my god we have like a great job job security <laughs> yeah. and just a relief that you didn't fuck up your one shot because it's like if we had fucked this up maybe we would get to do it again but we'd probably quit like you should yeah when they cancel you they actually take you out back and shoot you and yeah. so it's like I, didn't, I wasn't ready to be shot yeah what's oh yeah I've been canceled before yeah yeah I hosted a show on the Oprah Network 
It was a spin-off. It was like a remake of a British show. Yeah. It was like a ladies' fashion show. I, was like, I had no business hosting it was this show. British <laughs> Oprah. It was called uh, How to Look Good Naked. Okay. And, oh, uh-huh. and I just was a quick study, so I could pick it up. I was I don't have a fashion background. Yeah, but yeah. when it ended, I was like, okay, now what? You know? Yeah, it's mm-hmm. scary. It is scary. But then it's like, well, now what? What I loved, what what kind of what pre uh, what teed up. But I think letting them be hands off is that you guys did the due diligence ahead of time. You did the work, you put in the time. So now when they give you something, because I t- think there's times when people give people something and they're like, you're not ready. And that's why they have to be uh, managed, micromanaged. Right. But here you guys knew what you're doing. Yeah. Um, did you find, like, obviously the show is about being corporate, but do you feel you're in a corporate setting or do they still give you the creative freedom of when you were working on a Saturday night just in a park because you wanted to make this video? Yeah, well, I feel like we're kind of able to be our own little island when we're making stuff. Like we're not like in the Comedy Central offices, like working we're at yeah. our, in our like writer's room or stuff. So yeah, it feels like we got our own thing. And I, and I think um, to what we were saying of like having control over it too, I think the three of us as like a creative team to like, and then leading people kind of have a good dynamic and figured out how to work together and to kind of quickly make decisions and be on the same page with each other so that we can like, effectively communicate to other people what we want yeah we also did experience like the corporate side of it it just in that they did things like focus test the show Mm. and jake and i were like put up on screens and people were given a dial to turn to the right <gasps> yeah. if they liked Madden. us. Wait, are you sitting there watching these no, reactions? But thank God. No, no, but they yeah. give us a packet where they tell us who's the most liked yeah. and uh, that I, kind of stuff. I won. He's the most, <laughs> he's the most relatable, but I was their funny fave. Because yeah. Yeah. I'm just like a quippy bitch. Yeah. And so they're like, we like that guy, but I don't want to hang out with him. <laughs> but I'm Matt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's pretty funny. Uh, what do you guys look to for inspiration? If there's a uh, 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 a muse, a idea, a concept, a show, something. There's something that you guys are like. That's the thing that got me into this. That's the thing that keeps me going because I want to be like that one day. Um, we really like the Coen Brothers <laughs> and Kubrick. Uh, it's not really and P.T. Anderson. And also just like like satires. I mean, a lot of things inspire us. I think, but. Um, we like satirical comedy, smarter comedy. Mm. We don't like just comedies where they put the camera on some funny people and they're like, act crazy. It doesn't matter what you say, it's just <laughs> being funny. And I think we grew up like just, we have a deep distrust of the system and we want to joke about it. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like Network, Dr. Strangelove, like movies that are about how everything is fucked and that like you really are a pawn in this greater system. I think we just love that stuff and we love movies so much and we just can bring a funny way, we can just bring a comedic type of filmmaking to TV. We just like filmmaking, but we also are funny, and we want to make great funny points while also making points. How do you guys create content that uh, rises above the noise, be it videos, podcasts, uh, a television show, when you said there's so many television shows, or even just being a stand-up comic that people are like, hey, I know that guy, I want to go see him. In an era where the internet's the equalizer and anybody can do it, what do you guys think would be successful to rise above that noise. I think your point of view is very important. You shouldn't try to make something that other people like. You should make what you want to see. And you have to just hope that that's you know, valuable. It may not be the most, the, the, mo- the most famous comedians are always going to be bad. Like they're going to be like racist or sexist or just whatever. <laughs> yeah. And they're going to be boring and say the same things about how men and women are different, even though we all know they're the exact same. And I think that like, you just have to be like, 
be slow and steady, be pretty, like, be very honest about your life and very honest about your point of view. And eventually, I think you'll find like a pretty awesome career with the people who actually like you will follow you and be hungry for what you're doing. Yeah, if you're true to yourself, I think you'll make something better versus if you're just trying to appeal to everybody else. Because there's already so many people who are really good at just giving people what they want that will probably do a better job of it than you would. Yeah. So you and might we, as well just work with what you've got. Yeah, and we did also just the very simple mantra we had when we were making the show and talking to the people we brought on to work with us is that we want to make a show that we would want to watch, which is like as weird as it is in Hollywood, people make things that suck and they would never watch in a million years constantly. And so that was exciting for a lot of people who came to work on the show is like, we're going to make a show that you might watch at the end of it versus abandoning it and never yeah. thinking about it again. Yeah. You should really try to make something great that you haven't seen before. Yeah. And if you've seen it before, you probably should not do that. Mm -hmm. Unless you want to make so much money. <laughs> yeah, that's you a great point. so much yeah. money. We'll just make do, it. Just do yeah. any ABC sitcom yeah. over and over again. Make terrible points that are very boring, and yeah. you'll be richer and happier than us. But yeah. if you don't want to be happy, then you know, do something new. <laughs> I don't know what to do with that advice. Um, you guys cited some uh, filmmakers uh, as your inspiration, but we're talking about things to watch. What is something that you watch, that you recommend people watch? Obviously, your show. I think yes. Fargo is always so good on FX. I love oh, that TV, TV show. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Nathan, for you, is one of our favorite TV oh, yeah? shows. Yeah. And he's Canadian, right? Yeah, I met uh -huh. him. He, I was a PA on Canadian Idol. No, no, I was a reporter, and yeah. he was like a producer on Canadian Idol. Oh, really? Never saw him again, because I was working for an entertainment show, and we were just backstage or whatever. And then, next thing you know, Fast forward a few years, and he's his thing, and he's he has this so huge show, and I'm like, funny. how did he yeah. get there? I don't know what happened, <laughs> uh, but that's also a thing. It's like, because who started as a PA? Was it you? Yeah. yeah. Tell us about that, how you went from PA to comedian. I mean, I remember I was a PA in Clerks 2, um, a masterpiece of terrible filmmaking, uh, and I had to like clean out Jason Mewes's heroin-addled uh, hotel room. Um, should I not say that? I You've already told that, that story. I've seen it. So tell us again. Say, what do you think? Um, anyway, whatever. I don't care. Uh, I really don't care. Um, they, they were not nice, uh, and uh, they just had a lot. They just like trashed their hotel rooms. You have to clean it, and you're like, I just moved to LA to like try to make movies, and I'm cleaning out hotel rooms for like. Overrated people. Um, yeah, it was interesting. <laughs> so you're like a maid. Yeah, and so, but then it does, if you take it the right, it can depress you. Yeah. But it also is good when you are in terrible situations to have to get yourself out of it. Because yeah. you're like, oh, I do want their job, and I don't want my job. So you got to work really hard to not have your job. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't get to Pat and Matt about your watch. What is your thing to watch? Uh, I really like baskets and in, on FX. Okay. And anything, pretty much anything Jonathan Kreisel, the director, does who did like Portlandia and Tim and Eric? Uh, so I just watched the movie Palindromes by Todd Salons the other night. It's really fucked up and good. <laughs> and I also recently have been watching movies by Roy Anderson. I have the most pretentious answers out of us. <laughs> I like Sofia Coppola. Yeah. <laughs> Roy Anderson, who made a movie called Pigeon on a Branch Contemplating Its Existence or something like that, and also You the Living. They're kind of hard to find, but they're really good and weird and kind of in the vein of our show. So if you like your show, you should check out or if you like our show, you should check out Roy Anderson. But also quit whatever you're yeah, doing. Yeah, quit comedy. <laughs> Give up on your dreams. It's done. Are we fun? Are we having a fun time? <laughs> 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 Vaseline. It's yeah. so like they're funny too. I want to 
cry. Um, <laughs> but we're trying to be entertaining and yeah. different, you know? Yeah. And we're just trying to like... So you're cultivating your point of view. We're trying to rise above the noise. Yeah, you like that? What you asked us to do. We like that, right? Uh, the insecurities you may have, regardless if it's uh, what... Uh, uh, what do you call those test rooms when people do that? Focus groups. Focus groups. Uh, that, or even when you're doing a show and you may be bombing or whatever, like how do you uh, rise above that? You just when people are like, allow yourself to deaden inside slowly <laughs> no, over time. I truly believe but. the only way to rise above it is nihilism. Because if you're like aware you're going to die, you're like, who cares? Like, I'm going to die. Might as well just go do it again or face my fear. Who cares? It's a story. Yeah. I'll tell it on the moth someday. Is that in Canada? It's a story. It's a very annoying, pretentious storytelling thing that I would die to be in. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but it's just like, who cares? You're living your life. It doesn't matter. And yeah. uh, you're going to die. And, at some, and you're like, oh, I'm glad I did all that stuff. You know? It is a tricky balance to have to continue to deeply care about everything you make, but then also somehow not care if it's not good or if it's rejected because uh, yeah you have to do both of those things at the same time you have to continue to invest in everything you're doing but if it doesn't work you have to be willing to abandon it immediately and move on to the next thing whether it be a joke or a TV show you pitched we've we pitched shows before that didn't work a lot and then you just move on and do the next thing and like you know cry in your bedroom at night and then it's fine <laughs> for yourself well I've like started like performing publicly when I was like 13 in like a rock band that I had started where I was the lead singer and wrote the songs and we were terrible so I feel like anything I do now is better than that <laughs> so I think I'm improving the kind of image I'm projecting out into the world mm -hmm. from where I started yeah <laughs> in the chaos of being creative how do you guys focus and get shit done? I think collaborating together, that's a part of the reason we collaborate together is that when the three of us get together, there's like a social pressure to get it done. Uh, I, I like collaborating with people too, because again, writing is pain. And when you're alone writing, it's a true nightmare. And sure, you'll get the, only, the sole credit for it and you're an auteur, but also go to hell and go fuck yourself. Uh, but, uh, Collaborating is a good way to, it's like working out with a gym buddy. It's like mm. you uh, but get together. way more intense. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Uh -huh. And as you can see, we're ripped. Uh, <laughs> and we look incredible. That's what you slap it for the you, know what, Matt? you are cute and you do look good. Get out of here. And Pat, you look good too. Yeah. I mean, I, we all know how I look. <laughs> You're the Beyonce of the group. Yes. Yeah. Right. But yeah, you do have to think of yourself as a, a little bit like a business if you want to get things done. It's like you have to hold yourself accountable and I do like think do it. I, like stop being so like uh, ethereal with creativity. Yeah. It's like start just, writing just write pages. It. Yeah, yeah. I, I do think having three people where we're forcing each other to meet up and write is so helpful. And also like writing alone, there's more glory if it goes well. But if you, but it's super fun having like a collective child in the show that we all made. Like it's mm -hmm. all our thing, and it's it's really cool and. It's just easier to write with people that are good because you can like, is this joke good? And they're like, yeah, it's good. Let's move on. As yeah. opposed to if you're alone, you're like, you don't even know if this makes sense. Right. So it's it's pretty helpful to have good collaborators, but they are hard to find. Mm -hmm. I found them here. That's my thirty minutes. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Really oh, appreciate. Thanks. Thank you. For Sorry all about that. you know talking shit about other Hollywood people. Um, <laughs> okay, we can get cut, but you never know. Yeah. You can watch Corporate on Much in Canada or Comedy Central in the States. Uh, if you want to find out more about the guys, go to DailyHive.com. We'll have all of the information and. 
let me know how they inspired you to do your work. You can hit me up on social at Zane Megji. This is Chaotic Creative. Please subscribe to the podcast and rate and review it.